Hello, everybody. Just a very quick one about Instagram. If you're on it, Meta, the parent company, is reducing the number of political posts visible to users on their feed. This is a real thing, not a hoax. So go to your Instagram profile, tap the three horizontal lines in the top right corner to open the settings tab, scroll down to what you see, click on content preferences, open political content, and turn on don't limit political content. That's an option. Otherwise, you won't see almost anything we post because we are deemed political. Please do that now or you won't even see the posts about our shows, our fun things. So if you want to see Guilty Feminist content and know when we're coming to a place near you, releasing a new podcast, do it now. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm a feminist, but... You know, in the dark days of lockdown, I thought this day would never come. Even being back in Australia, much less Perth. We've never been to Perth before. And I'm a feminist, but today I went to the hotel gym. Don't mean to brag, but forced to on this occasion. And uh, there was no one else in the gym. So I thought... I was a bit bored of running on the treadmill. I thought I'll put on this dance, cardio dance video. I'm the only one in here. So there I am doing my... (laughs) And a man comes into the gym. And I just, I thought, I can't let him see this. So I just grabbed some weights. (laughs) Like this. Now, I grabbed the ones on the top thinking they'd be the lightest. They were deceptively heavy. So suddenly I was like, oh, oh, oh. And of course, out of my phone is coming these two women going, uh, manicure, manicure. And I was like, oh, oh. So I just sort of did like one rep and then I thought, oh, you know what? I'm not really feeling anyone. So I just put them back. And then I thought, do you know what? I'm just going to, I'm just going to style this out. I'm doing a dance video. It's cardio. I'm in a gym. It's fine. So I, I went back into it. I thought, better throw myself into it. It's nothing worse than looking self-conscious. So there I am doing my... Uh, 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 uh. And he looked at me and he went, that's Lizzo, is it? <laughs> Looks fun. And I went, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can join in if you want. And he went, no, I'm, no, I'm all right. I said, I'm, I'm all good. And then he said, you know the way that you're holding those weights when you put them back? You know that's not good for your arms. And I went, oh my God, that's so weird. Because I don't remember asking. This is blanks. This is... I'm a 
must have just had like a mini blackout because clearly I asked for your help. And he laughed and went, you all right, mate? You, you're all good. And I went, but to be fair, this arm does hurt a bit now. I'm a feminist, but... Uh, I'm a feminist, but um, sometimes I wish that my partner would just hire a professional to finish all her DIY jobs. Wow. Yeah. Two years is too long... <laughs> to have a weird concrete patch in the kitchen that hasn't been tiled yet. Geraldine Hickey, can I just make a suggestion? You yep. could finish it. Nah. <laughs> but you're, I don't know what I'm doing. You're a 50-50 partnership. Yeah. If she started it, it makes sense that you finish it because that's equal distribution of labour. That's, that's fair. I... Yeah. She 100% started it, therefore she needs to 100% finish it. Thank you. That's the voice of a wife. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that person's married to a woman, a man, or a non-binary person, but I know they're married to a DIY fanatic. <laughs> I don't want to ruin her work. You know? No, absolutely. Yeah. But do you ever comment? Do you ever go, that could be finished? Like, what if, like, Michelangelo's wife came in and went, uh... Just to be clear, Michelangelo was incredibly gay. Yeah. All right. Just a bit heteronormative there, Geraldine. Yeah. I was just thinking of women come, coming in and putting myself... I'm a feminist, but... <laughs> I'm a feminist, but... As a proudly queer, non-binary person in STEM and in astrophysics, when I found out that the Bachelor in Bachelor Australia was an astrophysicist, I was really excited to have the representation. Did you think, Kat, I could, I could now be The Bachelor? I, I, I think you could. I reckon you could do no, it. No, you. Oh, you, me? Yeah. <laughs> Not, did I, you, did, a, I don't a think feet, you watched a, a male astrophysicist and went, Deb could do this. Yeah. <laughs> so she's just one sort of step. No, you, I will so never be You're saying a, so a non-cishet white man astrophysicist yeah, to be on you? The Bachelor. That's absurd. No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you a more directly challenging question that's going to challenge your feminism. All right. And I need you to be honest. I'm here. I'm ready. If, if the phone rang and it was The Bachelor and they went, we want a non-binary astrophysicist STEM bachelor uh -huh. and it's going to be great representation for all those kids out there, uh -huh. would you do it? Would you be in a big house giving roses to women, eliminating women until one of them just, I don't know how it works, had to go down on you? I don't know, how does it work? <laughs> Is that what, how it works? That's not right, is it? I, I would like to say that I would do it for the representation. Mm. I would do it for purely selfish reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Purely. Well, 
I'd ask how much they'd pay first. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Would you do the bachelor, Geraldine? You're not. You're well, not first, a bachelor. Yeah, I'm not a bachelor. Um, <laughs> You'd have to check with you. Yeah, I'd ask how how much. <laughs> I was thinking more checking. How many with your people? Partner. No, like how much? How much will you pay? What's the payment? But what about your partner? Don't you have to check with your partner? Like, am I allowed to do this? But if I say, babe, they're going to pay me this much. <laughs> What's the cutoff for doing a show where you pretend to be single? Do you reckon what what level? She trusts me. She knows. <laughs> do you think though? Would she not go? It'd have to be like half a million dollars or a million dollars or something. Yeah. Oh, I don't know how much I'd do it for. I'd have to figure that out. Sounds like you're a cheap date there. It sounds like you're going to be like. I don't know, 10 grand and some Doritos. Like, no, definitely more than 10 and another zero at yeah. least. At least two packets of Doritos. <laughs> at least. <laughs> I'm a feminist, but... Uh, a few weeks ago, my girlfriend and I, we were going on holiday and we were staying in an Airbnb. And uh, the, the chap who owned the Airbnb wanted to speak to me on the phone ahead of time. And we were talking on the phone and my girlfriend was, was next to me for this conversation. And uh, I get quite n- nervous, I don't know why, talking on the phone, particularly talking on the phone to, to strangers. And my, my girlfriend said, check that there's a coffee maker in the Airbnb. And, and I said, yeah, um, is, there, is there a coffee maker? And he said, yeah, yeah, there is. And then I just said, out of nowhere, yeah, my, my, my missus will kill me if there isn't. <laughs> and then like immediately, and she just turned to look at me like, hello, who the fuck are you? <laughs> and I said it, and then I immediately made eye contact with her and went, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I don't know what happened. Just Channel 10, we found our new bachelor. <laughs> <laughs> Are we ready to start the show? <laughs> and welcome, welcome, welcome to the Guilty Feminist! A big round of applause for Geraldine Hickey, Kat Ross, and Grace Petrie. Three incredible acts we're going to be seeing a lot more of tonight. Hello, Perth going to be seeing more of them. You're also going to be seeing an incredible poet called Charmaine Paper Talk Green. And you're going to be hearing from Professor Michelle Telfer. That's right. I said, Professor, none of your rubbish. Now, some of you may have noticed that I'm not wearing a sequined cape. I've already had complaints backstage. I normally have a sequined cape. I'll tell you what happened tonight. I came downstairs and then I went, oh no, I've forgotten my cape. And the driver, who was only driving us in Perth, who was a man called Irish, he's called Irish because he's Irish and he lives in Perth. (laughs) Neither Grace Petrie nor I can bring ourselves to call him Irish. We call him Patrick. (laughs) Because if you were in a pub in London, and you called an Irishman Irish, you would be beaten badly. (laughs) So we're like, you know. But Patrick looked at me when I said, oh, I forgot my cape. Like I thought I was a superhero. (laughs) And he expected me to just pop into a phone booth and do a quick spin. Now, because I'd been to the gym, don't mean to go on about it. But I have mentioned it in two stories now. 
Um, in a hotel on tour, okay? Not at home where you've got a schedule. In a hotel on tour, I've been to the gym. That's right. I'm so keen to keep this heart running to fight the patriarchy. We can't have feminists dying accidentally. Like, you know, mind you, I think I'm probably quite likely to die in a hotel gym trying to do, run too fast on a treadmill to impress somebody. I don't know. So I, I needed to get like a little power bar or something. And I'll tell you why. I normally, on, in the UK on tour, I travel with these little bars. So exactly for the situation. Have you ever tried to bring food into Australia? <laughs> Holy fuck. So last time I turned up in Australia, I um, brought some presents for family. And some of them, you know, it was like a scarf and a this and a that. And I got a couple of you know, tins of fancy biscuits from Fortnum and Mason, because that's a really nice London thing to do. And just put them in my suitcase as gifts. And forgot about them. And when I came in, I got pushed off into that special uh, place where they search your bags that you see in that documentary, which is called Border Control oh my God, you're about to be arrested all of the time. So I thought, oh, I might be on border control, but nothing will happen to me because I haven't got anything in this bag. Now, he looks through, he rifles through, and I'm expecting him to say, well done. And instead, he shows me my card and says, uh, what does that say there? Where it says, have you brought any food in? What box have you ticked? And I said, I've, I've, I've ticked no. And he went, mm. <laughs> And then he pulled this tin of biscuits out of my bag and he went, what are these? And I went, biscuits. And he went, and are biscuits food? <laughs> I said, yes, 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 so they, they are, they are food. And he went, and what have you ticked here on the form? <laughs> I said, I've ticked, I haven't brought any food in. And why did you tick that box when you've clearly brought food in? And I went, oh, it's just, it was a present. I forgot if I wasn't going to eat it. It was sealed. I thought it was like, does it say here on the form that if it's a present or if it's sealed that you don't need to declare it? I said, no, no, I do. It doesn't say that at all. This is clearly an error on my part, what you're experiencing. He went, I'll be taking these. I bet he enjoyed them. Now... Um, so I'm too scared to bring anything. So I'm downstairs, and even interstate, every time on the plane, they show you the video twice, which goes, if you bring in a banana, everyone in South Australia will die. And, you know, it's all of the flora and fauna will be ravaged within a minute and a half. You know, it's like really frightens me. So I'm like, don't bring in anything, don't bring anything in. And so I didn't have anything with me, so I had to run down to the corner shop just to get like a little bar and a, and a, and a drink or something. And then Patrick drives to the corner... So now I can't say to him, I have to walk back to the hotel or get you to drive down a one-way street the wrong way so I can claim my cape. This is the only reason I don't have my cape. What you have to imagine is I'm in a gold sequin cape with a paisley lining, and it says guilty feminist on the back. So I'm just going to do a quick spin so you can see it. <laughs> the power of the feminist imagination. Um, instead, what I've got for you is something that nobody else in any other region is going to get because it was left for me um, by at the stage door uh, by somebody here in the audience um, who is called At Jetlag Mama. Is that right? Are you At Jetlag Mama? Okay, so what's exciting about these, I'm going to show you these because I'm so excited about them. Now, this is a biscuit in the shape of Cal Wilson. 
And I have to apologize to you that you made this for Cal Wilson and she's not here. And I know, no, no, no. But it's because she's having to isolate because she was in close contact with someone and she was like, I cannot bring it to Western Australia. I can't even bring a banana. So <laughs> she's not testing positive. She just, this was the advice and she had to do it. So she sends her love to you all and promises to come next time. But on the upside, you've got Geraldine Hickey. <laughs> who you wouldn't have otherwise had. And this is uh, a biscuit shaped like me very much. And uh, this is a biscuit shaped like uh, JVN, who was recently on the podcast, Jonathan Van Ness. And this one is interesting and caused some controversy backstage, I don't mind telling you. It's a little bag and it says, Dear Scotus, go eat a bag of dicks. And then these biscuits are in the shape of penises. Now, there was a huge controversy backstage because Grace said, I can't eat anything where there's a sort of repellent, you know, association. And then there was a discussion about our penis is repellent. And she said, I find vagina cakes just as difficult. And so there was just, and then we talked about the intricacies of this, of like, you know, when people in, you know, have homophobic and they sometimes say to a man, you know, go suck a dick or something like that, and how that we don't want to propagate that, and is that where this has come from? And then, but in the dressing room, we went, yeah, but no, does anybody want to eat a bag of disembodied dicks? <laughs> like, that's not something gay men want to do. Nobody wants to eat a bag of dicks. This is just clearly an insult. And then someone said, but what about kink shaming? And I was like, whose kink is it to eat? I mean, that's a real... So we discussed it really ad nauseum. It was such a long convoluted conversation. I was like, only in the Guilty Feminist dressing room would we be... I said, can you imagine Bill Burr and Ricky Gervais backstage <laughs> analysing in great detail whether the biscuits they'd been given were in some way kink-shaming? <laughs> and, and our tour manager, Michael, walked in and went, I'll guarantee you they are talking about dicks, though. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure he's worked for both of them. So I... Feel, so thank you very much, because we know that the sentiment of this is a very, is a very important one, um, even though we did analyse in quite an unnecessary way, probably. <laughs> I just wanted to raise it to head off any emails anyone was going to send me. And in the meantime, if you would like a biscuit, is this a business of yours? It's, just a, it's a hobby. It's a hobby. So in the meantime, if you'd like to support um, Jetlag Mama's business, you can't. She doesn't have one. Now... <laughs> Now, all, listen, all around the UK tour, and we started in Adelaide uh, two nights ago on the Australian-New Zealand tour, uh, we've been asking people for what acts of feminism they've done since the pandemic started. You've probably heard me asking people, and we're just finding it really interesting in what regions, what people have done. But we like to start small. We, if you've got something that you really want help with, please tell us about it. But we don't want to start with you. Um, we're looking for something low-level. So has anyone got a low-level act of feminism that they would like to share? Yes. Oh, you're wearing a t-shirt that says STEMinist. I love you already. Already I'm suspicious that this is going to be too good. Already. You're, you're setting the bar low. Okay, do you want to say it into my mic? Because it, it's, the international listeners like to hear you. Um, so when I sing nursery rhymes to my daughter, I change all the pronouns of he's to she's. 
So uh, the kookaburra is a queen of the bush. <laughs> um, sing a song of sixpence. Uh, it's the queen in the counting house as well. I, I love that. Do you do little Jack Horner as non-binary? This is quite, it's a helpfully androgynous name. Are you just filming, because you're taking a picture there, because I'll, I'll happily pose. Oh, you were videoing her. Okay. It's awkward now. You're still kind of pointing it at me, though, and I feel it's a really bad angle. I, this is a gorgeous venue. I just, just, we came in and went, oh my God, this is stunning. But because you're so low, I know that what the front two rows see is what I see when I accidentally open my camera phone the wrong way round. It's like, oh, oh God! If you're sitting up there, I know that I'm like 75% more attractive. Up there, those people up there think I'm, you know, basically Rihanna. Um, these people down here are like, mm. um, it's all angles, and that's true of life. Everything's a point of view. Which point of view are you looking from? Okay, so has anyone else got a, a, a low level act of feminism? I think that's quite a proactive. It's quite proactive. It's this good thing to do. I try and do that if I'm reading a book to a child, not to assume or pointing out an animal, not to assume it's a he. It's such, such so ingrained. But it's, it's a bit worthy. I'm looking for something more like, you know, I forgot to shave my legs and then remembered. You know, I, has anyone got anything lower than that or equal to that? Yes. What's yours? At a summer camp, you worked at, it's tradition for the boys to build a campfire and you fought for the girls to do it. That is a Lisa Simpson act of feminism. Anything that gets a round of applause is too good. I want people going, I can do better than that. I want to encourage people. Yes, have you got one? Did you say you had one? Uh, yes. Oh, can you, do you want, it, do you want the mic? Yes. What's your name? Siva? Ziva. Ziva. How old are you, Ziva? Um, 11. 11. That changes some of the jokes I was going to do. <laughs> Ziva, come into the light. Come into the light. Okay. Um, Big round of applause for Ziva. Um, what I'm about to say next may not change your jokes. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Already, I love her. Um, when an ignorant boy at school was talking out of his ass about <laughs> how boys were supposed to be smarter than girls or tougher or some other ignorant, um, forgive me, bullshit. <laughs> I pointed out that I have had all A's for the past four years. I then pointed out that he had average C's and D's for the last four years. I then said that I am the smartest girl in the class. The next person on smartness level is Emma, another girl. And then ding, 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 five points short is Charlotte, another girl. And then at the bottom is, um, what's his name? Levi, him. 
And so I generally pointed out that he's a bit of an idiot. So, Siva, um, we're not going to do better than that, so I now have to bring the comedian on. Um, I, don't, I don't really envy her having to follow you. Um, I do want to say, if you're out there listening and you're going, oh, no, my grades aren't good, that boy deserved to hear that because he was challenging on that arena and saying, you're not as clever as me. But I wonder if the reason he was doing that is he felt maybe he was not competing with you. And I just want to say, if you're listening and you're not academic, it's okay not to be academic, but what is not okay to do is to go up to somebody who is more marginalised than you, historically, and say to that person, your marginalisation puts you in a lower ranking than me because you're feeling insecure. So that's really important. You remind me a bit of Eleven. It's strange that you're Eleven. Does she remind you a bit of Eleven? Yeah, I want to get a picture of you and send it to Millie Bobby Brown. She just did our show, you know that. Um, Wow. Now, Perth, if any of you have... uh, something you'd like us to help with I'm going to ask you about that uh, later in the show so get get thinking we also want to hear about uh, acts of feminism that you need Perth support or Western Australia support you might not be from Perth give us a cheer oh is that a baby love it when babies come to the Guilty Feminist love it oh what's that the Lion King So like the Lion King. Wow. All right. Things keep happening here, but I wish we'd been here before. This is brilliant. Um, thank you so much to everyone who's participated so far, especially Siva. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Are you ready for some stand-up comedy? Then put your hands together and make incredible woohooing noises for the wonderful Geraldine Hickey! (laughs) 
Sup, fuckers. Uh, anyone ever lost their car in a car park? Yes. How long for? Three hours. Stressful. How about you? Can you beat that? You didn't lose your car. Your cousin lost their car, but it was stolen. That kind of wins. Um, 27 hours for me. Yeah, 27 hours from the time that I parked the car to the time I got back in it. 27 hours. Happened at Springvale Ikea. Um, This thing, you know, I don't know if this happened to you when you tell people that you've lost your car. There's always someone that goes, oh, you know what I like to do? You know what I like to do? I like to take a photo. I take a photo of the car that I park next to. So then I'm like, take a photo of your car. That's, that's the car that's, that's going to be there. <laughs> Unless it gets stolen, obviously. <laughs> anyway, Springvale Ikea, went there, parked the car. And I got out of the car and I was um, checking messages on my phone. I was quite, quite popular, right? And I'm <laughs> scrolling. And then I'd stopped and I went, you need to have a look around. You, you haven't been to the car park before, you need to remember where you parked your car, right? So I stopped and I looked around and then I saw um, a big yellow J, like this big yellow with a J on it, and I went, okay, yellow J, couple of rows over, that's where you parked your car, right? And then in, in I went. Now, I know some of you are probably thinking, oh, you, you're lucky you got out of Ikea, yeah? <laughs> Oh, go into Ikea and I just, I know you're supposed to follow the arrows. I follow the arrows, but the people in front are so slow, so I try to get around them and then I don't know where I am and I'm going round in circles, yeah. I, I was there for a click and collect. <laughs> I didn't even go into it. Like, I just, I mean, I went in and just didn't have to do the maze. I just went straight to the end round Got a wardrobe, that's what I was picking up, a wardrobe, right? So they handed me the trolley with all the bits and pieces on it. I went, thanks very much. And then out I, in and out, less than five minutes, right? <laughs> you come out a different exit. <laughs> that stuffs you up a little bit, yeah? But that was all right, because I went, doesn't matter. Yellow J. I just have to find the yellow J, right? So I go down, I come out, and I go, oh, there's the yellow, and I find the yellow J, and then I go, all right, a couple of rows over, and then I just, okay, maybe, maybe it was three, three rows over. <laughs> or maybe, maybe it was only one row over. <laughs> or maybe it was further up the second row. Okay, maybe I'll go further down the other one. I'll go further. I've lost the car. I can't find the car. <laughs> and I, I, I sent a text to my partner, Kath. Um, I don't know why. <laughs> I just, just, I, I just Emotional support, I guess. Um, and I just sent a text that said, I can't find the car. <laughs> and she wrote back going, what do you mean? <laughs> and I went, I parked the car at Springvale Ikea and now I can't find it. I don't know how else to explain, I can't find the car. 
And she writes back and she goes, are you sure you didn't park it on the other level? Yes. Yes, because it was a yellow day. And I went, do you know what? I'm going to go up to the other level anyway. I'm going to go have a look around up there. This is not, it's not on this level though, is it? Because this is a green level. Everything's green up. This is the green level. But I'm looking, I'll have a look around anyway. Right? Also, I should let you know that there are speed bumps in the, <laughs> just those little, those little metal speed bumps in the Springvale Ikea car park, which is great for slowing cars down. But when you've got a flat pack wardrobe on a trolley, you got to pick up some speed to get over those things. That's how we're walking along and up. Looked around on green. I went, it's not here, right? I went back down. Went, looked, had another good look on where I thought it was. And then went, maybe I need to get rid of this trolley, right? And so I went into Ikea, went back into Ikea and there was a security guard there and I said, hello, um, I, can I leave my trolley here? Can I leave my trolley here? Because I've, I've, I've parked the car and I can't find it. Um, and he went, no problem, sir. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's always the most polite people that misgender me. <laughs> you know. Don't all bad. I got a discount on a rug once, so... Yeah. Like, I was in a carpet store and I heard from behind me, how can I help you, sir? And I turned around and went, oh, I'm after a rug. And he went, oh, can I give you a discount, (laughs) ma'am? I went, oh, yeah, that'd be great, thanks. (laughs) Um, Anyway, I've left the truck. I'm hands-free now, right? So I'm out. (laughs) I've done my 10,000 steps by this stage. Don't worry about that. I'm out and I went up and down, up and down, up and down. I still can't find it. I went, I need, I need help, right? And I had, I was fairly certain I had a friend that lived nearby, right? Like, I, I definitely had a friend. <laughs> Just in terms of geography, I'm pretty sure she lived nearby, right? So I, um, but I thought, oh, I can't really send her a text out of the blue and say, hello, <laughs> do you mind taking time out of your day? to come down to Springvale, Ikea and help me find my car. But I knew she was very active on Twitter. So I put out a tweet. So an SOS, if anyone is anywhere near the Springvale, Ikea car park and they want to come help me find my car, I'd really appreciate it. I've been looking for two hours. Five minutes later, I get a response. Get a few, but I get one from my mate. She goes, are you serious? Mate, I live like 10 minutes down the road. I can be there in 15. I'm like, I am serious. (laughs) That'd be so awesome. And she goes, great. So 15 minutes later, there she's in the car park. I get in the car and she goes, right, what do you want to do? And I went, I want to find my fucking car. She was like, oh, yes, yes. So I explained what my car looks like and I went, let's just, you know, we'll just drive up and down each aisle until we find it, right? And so we were driving up and down, up and down. And the whole time she was driving, right, she's chatting to me. She goes, do you know what? This happened to me once. I was very happy to come and help you, very happy to come and help you because this happened to me once. I lost my car at Chatsden, but it turns out it was actually stolen. Um, LAUGHTER 
And I'm like, this is not fucking helping. <laughs> and we're up and down. And then, no luck. And she goes, do you want to check on the other level? I'm like, all oh, right. <laughs> yes, we'll go check on them. We looked, oh, looked around again on the other level. And then I went, oh, I, need, I need to go to the next step. Right, so I went back into Ikea and I went up to one of the staff members and I went, hello, um, do you do the security for the car park or is there like a separate security company for the car park? Like, who is the person that I speak to where they watch me driving on their little camera <laughs> and then they take me to my car on a golf buggy? Like, <laughs> I'm at that stage. <laughs> and he, the staff member went, he says, oh, actually, I'm, I'm not sure. And he walks away and he comes back a minute later and he says, I'm so sorry, but this is a police matter. And I'm like, oh my God, okay. So I call the police assistance line. And I said, hello. I, I think my car has been stolen. And he went, what do you mean think? And I went, well. I parked my car at Springvale Ikea and now I can't find it. And he went, oh, I completely understand, right. <laughs> so we filled in all the paperwork and, and he said, okay, well, I'll, I'll send that off to, um, to the Springvale police. And I went, okay, um, should I, do, do I have to, should I wait? For, what, what, should, what, what do I have to do? And he went, well, um, They'll come down if they've got nothing else on. <laughs> I went, oh, I'll go home then. He went, yeah, go home, right? So I did, and um, and when I got home, I was just I was just going through all the things that I'd left in the car. I was just really annoyed, you know. You just have stuff in the car, and I was just like, oh, I had my jacket, and oh, I had my camera, and oh, my iPad. I'm oh, I had an iPad in the car. Oh, there's that, there's that little thing you can, is it find my, find my iPad. <laughs> you know, Kath had her phone, I said, can you look up, can you do that find my iPad thing? And she went, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's in the Springvale Ikea car. <laughs> But then, then she tried to make me feel better by saying, maybe they tossed it out the window. <laughs> I sent a message to my mate and I went, hey mate, just so you know, um, I, did the, I remember that my iPad was in the car and we did find my, and it's in the, in the car park. And she writes back going, I've just looked it up. Car park doesn't close till 9.30. I'm going to finish my dinner and I'll go down and check it out. <laughs> like, half an hour later, <clears throat> I get a, <clears throat> another message off my mate and it's just a, it's just a selfie. <laughs> and she's... She's taking it, in, like, in front of my car. <laughs> and she's positioned it in, in such a way that you can see 
the green H. <laughs> I've been Geraldine. Thanks so much. Geraldine Hickey, everybody! Oh, my God. Could you hear me laughing in the wings? I was just roaring. I couldn't stop. I'm normally more discreet than that because I don't like to draw focus, but I couldn't stop myself. I was just laughing so much. Um, I'm going to push on and bring on our next act because she's incredible. Um, Charmaine Paper Talk Green is an award-winning First Nation poet, social science researcher in Aboriginal health, and community agitator who lives in Geraldton. Don't come on yet, Charmaine, because they're going to cheer a lot for the next thing. I'll say your name at the end, because every time, because if you're all backstage, you hear the cheering, you come out, you know. She is also a PhD candidate with ECU awaiting examination of her autoethnography thesis. Her book, Nagan Ajungu Yagu, won the Victorian Premier Literacy Award for Poetry and the Australian Literature Society Gold Medal for Australian Literature in 2020. She works and lives in her own community in regional Western Australia with a focus on the health and well-being of the Mullawa community. Charmaine performs around Australia at writers' festivals. Please welcome to the stage the incredible Charmaine Paper Talk Green! Okay, a uh, bit of a hard gig to follow comedians with some poetry, but I'd like to acknowledge the um, uh, Noongar people of Wajabuja before I go on. Driven up from Geraldton today, 500 k's away. I know there's a little Geraldton mob in the crowd, so just going to shout out. And um, to Lois for encouraging me to actually come along, because I wasn't going to, but I'm enjoying it. So. The first poem I thought I'd read to you is called Life is a Cross Flow. And it's an ecrastic poem, which means I write in response to paintings and to art. Life is a crossflow is a response to the late Mr. Pickett's painting, Healing Waters That Crossflow in 2008. Sitting on Adelaide Terrace, looking out at the rainfall, my eyes dancing between the rain and the painting. Rainwater continues to kiss Noongar country, Wajakbuja. Water dancing on the powerful durable Yarrigan in the distance. My first thoughts are to honour those who land I am now on. The buildings and the fast-moving cars are nothing but white noise. Cross-flowing, spreading through my spirit, my body, my heart, my healing, my layers, my life cross-flowing, never-ending. My eyes dance between the clouds and the painting. 
I want to jump into the cross flow and let the waters take me on a journey across country, place and time. I want to float on the water with my arms open wide, staring up into the Milky Way at our ancestors' many stories. I want to be that flowing water particle, bringing life and renewal, cross-flowing, spreading through my body, my spirit, my heart, my healing, my layers, my life, cross-flowing, never-ending. My eyes dance between the rain receiving trees and the painting, cross-waters spread across country to need to touch what needs healing. Country Buja Barna determines water's movements across it. Just like the energy it gives us to heal when we go on country. If you can see country stories or message with your heart, you heal. If you can have a yarn with country and receive this energy, you heal, cross-flowing, spreading through my heart, my spirit, my body, my healing, my layers, my life, cross-flowing, never-ending. My eyes dance between crowd-blaking blue skies and the painting. This moment reminds me of just how complex the cycle of life really is. But where there is a beginning, there is an end, and they always meet up. That is what we call the cycle of life. And that is why we say everything is connected to each other from the sky, the country, the waterways. This connection and relationship dotted across country guiding the way, cross-flowing, spreading through my healing, my spirit, my body, my heart, my layers, my life, cross-flowing, never-ending. My eyes dance between the birds flying across the cloudy sky and the painting. The deep connection between water and healing is a strong cultural belief. There is something beautiful about water sources, such as rain, waterholes, rivers. There is strong spirituality through our water stories and cultural practices. We extend our energy and respect when offering sand or leaves to water sites. We receive energy and blessings from washing our new baby in rock water pools, cross-flowing, spreading through my layers, my spirit, my body, my heart, my healing, my life, cross-flowing, never-ending. My eyes dance between the white noise of buildings, roads, cars and signs. The rain is gone and the clouds parting with the white noise sounds lifting. I start thinking about intergenerational trauma and the pain washing over communities, ancestors, children, families, mothers, fathers, country. Then this painting makes me understand the healing powers and energy of water touching every layer of our very being. There is no flow pattern, 
There is cross-flow, cross-flowing, spreading through my life, my spirit, my body, my heart, my healing, my layers, cross-flowing, never-ending. The next poem I'll read is uh, a commission I did for the National Gallery. A commission I did for the National Gallery in uh, 21-22, um, National Gallery of Victoria for their URU Portraiture Program and Exhibition. And it's ecrastic poetry again, so I've responded to 10 of their paintings in um, National Gallery Victoria's collection. And I do all this from Geraldton, by the way, regional Western Australia. Bringing together my bundle of kangaroo skin, emu feathers, kangaroo sinew, kwandong and bush seeds to stitch a woman's story of women storytellers, a story of First Nation women storytellers, women narratives of hands, eyes, energy, culture, identity, colonisation, decolonisation and a long line of ancestors. But now let me whisper, call out to my grandmothers, Nyarlu Jugurnu, Abba, Ganthari. Painting number one, Mrs Wooden Air, 2013, by Carla Dickens. Nyananyinda, who are you? I am the face of many communities. I am the keeper of many knowledges. My head is wrapped in an outer scarf of generational trauma, sorrow and grief. I am protected by deep culture. I am the grandmother you seek within. Painting number two, artwork number two, Possum Skin by Mari Clark. Nyananyinda, who are you? I am the gift of warmth and beauty. I am the grandmother in your dreams. I whisper amongst many about our old ways. You captured my whisper and with your hands stitched together our cultural practices. Nothing is ever lost, but found to those who listen. Magic Weaver 2005 by Yvonne Kulmati. Nyinda, who are you? I am the magic weaver forever binding together the water, air, land, salt, soil, wind and grasses. We women are woven together from every ancestor. I am bound to my country and my country to me. I am the grandmother within every cell of your being. Painting number four, Ngalam, 2019 by Shirley Purdy. Nyinda, who are you? I am the women artist in the many First Nations art centres, painting stories to be transmitted to our families from a connection to a full moon and daughter tree, from touching the earth of country, memory and story, 
From taking the gift of cultural knowledge to the canvas, I am grandmother's memory and cultural older for tomorrow. Self-Portrait 1999-2005 by Tracy Moffat. Nananyinda, who are you? I am the I storyteller showing myself to you. I can create and change narratives from the black and white of life with instructions through to the rosy cheeks of a hand-coloured stereotype breaker. I am the many grandmothers, many eyes seeing and seeing, awakening narratives by looking to the distant future. Warrior Without a Weapon, 2019, by Naomi Hobson. Nyinda, who are you? I am every grandmother's grandson of ancestral country, First Nation men nurtured through maternal love in each campsite before a manhood life journey. I am gentle as a sweet breeze in soft grass. My tears are carried with each trauma seen or felt. I am grandmother's sons, grandsons and great-grandsons. Oppression, Repression, Family Portrait, 2004, by Yoni Skas. Nananyinda, who are you? I am the First Nations families that could not be oppressed, repressed, or written out of history. I am the love of family treasured down the generations. I am family strength rising from each heartbeat. Our family portraits remind this country... We survived. I am grandmother's seeds protected to flourish. Nyinda by Julie Dowling. Nyinda, who are you? I am the many Yamaji faces seen within the history archives of this intercultural space. I am the First Nation faces of the many narratives endured since colonisation. I am the storyteller, painting each face, giving each narrative a face, because our stories have never been faceless. Matilda, Nyambrai Ngunnawal, 2020 by Brenda Croft. Ngunnanyinda, who are you? I am the First Nations women who fight for the rights of their people by being visible and with a voice in their communities advocating in the corridors of parliament houses and governments around Australia. I am First Nation women radiating a staunch, proud identity. I am grandmother's granddaughters keeping inside fire alive. But now let me whisper out to my grandmothers. Nyarlu Jugunu, Abba Gunthari. Thank you very much. Charmaine, there's a mic right next to you. Thank you so much. Um, now, firstly, would you like a biscuit with the caveat that it's either in the shape of my face or... No, no. thank you. No, okay. None of the biscuits. No biscuits for me. 
No, listen, that was phenomenal. And I'm so excited to get your book and read it all. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your poetry, how people can support you and where else they could see you or read you? Um, I'm published through Mugabala Books in Broome, which is First Nations publishing house. And my latest, uh, my last book, um, with the uh, West Australian poet John Kinsella, The False Claim of Colonial Thieves is from Mugabala. We have a forthcoming next conversation, um, dropping soon, print, um, art by Mugabala. But the book that um, won the um, ALS Gold Medal for Literature in Australia is called Ngana Jungu and it's published by Cordite House on the East Coast. Um, so, so that's a, the best thing you can do to support a writer is to buy their work. And I think we're so used to everything being accessible and downloadable now. It would be great if you could... Is it on Kindle as well or do you have to buy it in print? Um, I think you have to buy it in print, yeah. So go online or go into your bookshop. The great thing to do would be go into a bookshop and ask for it because if everyone in Perth and, you know, I don't know, people will have come from other places starts going into their independent bookshops and saying, have you got this book? Have you got Charmaine Paper Talk Green? They'll start ordering more copies in. And uh, Charmaine, you can then sign them and make them more valuable, but I would charge for every signature. Um, I wanted to ask you, uh, this week, a story came up in the press that I just thought, I can't... We already had our brilliant guests booked who were talking about you know, women in STEM and STEM issues. But I just thought, I can't not talk about this because I got involved in some serious Twitter uh, crossfire about it. And I, well, I, crossfire, I, I was talking directly to people about it who were undermining the story. But the story I'm sure you've all heard about, but for our international listeners who haven't heard about it, 14-year-old um, indigenous boys who were in a facility, a borstal, a, a juvenile hall, that they should never have been in. An inspector came in and said it wasn't habitable, they shouldn't have been there. A judge then said the conditions they were living in is why they were suicidal and why they were self-harming and why they were prone to be attacking the guards. They then said, okay, we'll spend 26 million on doing it up. But in the meantime, they're still living there. And if you see the photos, it's not anywhere people should be living, much less children taken from their communities who are not even close to their families. Their families can't even come and visit. So, in many cases. Um, so, they, uh, in protest, wrecked the place. I think basically thought, well, if there are no loos, they can't keep us here. And the response was to take them to a maximum security men's prison. They're 14-year-old children. And they said, oh, no, we're keeping them separate. But they have to go through those gates. They know where they're going. And it's basically saying, this is your future. It's punishment. And uh, so I just wanted to ask you about it because it was such a heartbreaking story. And I started amplifying it on Twitter and then getting involved in discussions when man said to me, well, um, they wrecked the place. And I said, yeah, but why do you think they did that? And he said, I, can't I, couldn't, I wouldn't like to speculate. So you don't need to speculate. The judge said why. The inspector said why. So I just wanted to talk to you about this, Charmaine, and, and address this. This is such a cruel and painful uh, inheritance. Um, as someone who's a community agitator, how do you feel about this and what can we do to help? Well, I do support the Save the Children campaign and um, 
what what we're talking about here is taking the children from Bankshire across to adult maximum security prison and at Cash Arena. And a lot of people don't like getting involved and a lot of people stay silent in Western Australia. Um, and I think, you know, that needs to change and people ha need to have a little bit more compassion. And the things that we can do is there's a cohort of about 20 boys, 14 up, who are being taken across. Now, the Department of um, Justice and Corrective Services say that it's for a short time while they fix up Bankshire for the boys. And a lot of these kids come from out in the regions. They've flown thousands of kilometres away from family and everyone. I'm not interested in people saying, well, if you do the time, do the crime and all this sort of stuff. I'm interested in the human rights and the mental health of these kids. They are kids. And what people can do is probably don't stay silent. If you see Megan Cracker, who's an advocate for human rights and is an advocate for the um, National, National Suicide Prevention and Trauma Recovery Project, um, she organised a rally yesterday in Perth to talk about this and to send a message to the government. You can get involved in these rallies. You can t talk to your politicians. You can talk to the Commissioner for Children and Young People of Western Australia who yesterday or the day before went to Cash Arena, a maximum adult security prison, and had a look. She did say it wasn't appropriate for these children, these kids, to be taken to an adult prison. So it's an outdated process, it's a colonial system, it's normalising pathways for our young people into the crim criminal um, sections of society. And this is not what we want for our kids. I'm a mother, I'm a grandmother, I know this is not what we want for our kids. So the Western Australian Government the Department of Justice, the Corrective Services, and every other power who puts these oppressive systems up need to actually stop. It's outdated, it's colonial, and have a heart and think about people's mental health and their human rights. That's my position on that. There are ways that Western Australians and other Australians can support and stop. It's not easy stuff to talk about, and a lot of people feel comfortable not talking about it, but in the meantime, these young kids do need our support. <sighs> Staying comfortable never brought about change, and uh, Charmaine said to me backstage uh, that something I thought was absolutely brilliant, that this country was colonised to be a penal colony, to be a jail because the British jails were overflowing because of criminalization of marginalized people. So many of the original convicts were Irish because they were, Irish was a colony. This is, this is a colony on a colony on a colony of marginalized people in poverty, pushed into poverty. And it was, it's such a brilliant insight. And, uh, you know, to take 
the worst thing you can do is take children away from their attachments. The worst thing you can do, it's traumatise children with inherited trauma from traumatised communities that have suffered genocide, that have suffered persecution, oppression, that don't have the structures in place. Of course there are going to be problems, of course there's going to be violent responses, drugs and all sorts of things that are going to be responses to that trauma. The worst thing you can do then is lock people up and change their brain chemistry with isolation. This is an absolute outrage and uh, I, I, I beg you as local residents to demand more and better and different, completely different, demand the opposite, demand compassion and structure and and caring and love for people who have been so stripped of their dignity, their human rights, and even their lives. Please, please do something about it. Whatever you do, write to your MP. Do something. Go out onto the streets and march. Go out and say, we are citizens of Western Australia and we can see what's happening and we will not stand for it. Please do that. Charmaine, it's been such a privilege to have you. Next time we come back to Perth, will you come again and do more poetry and talk to us more? Yes, of course. I'll, I'll come to the UK. Yes! I love that. I love that. Charmaine, paper talk, green, everybody! It's nearly time for the interval where you're going to go and you're going to get a drink and go to the loo. Have you had a good first half so far? <laughs> to close the first half and leave you on a real high, put your hands together and make incredible woohooing noises for the still mildly jet-lagged but incredibly energised Grace Petrie! <laughs> going <laughs> too easy no dramas see I'm a local I'm a local now oh wow what an amazing show so far I try to um I'm doing the whole tour um with with Deb very kindly brought me out for the entire tour so I try and sort of do different things different songs every night and I try hard to uh sort of keep them like, if, if anyone mentions anything that I've got a song about, I try and stay on theme. So I was very pleased when Geraldine told her story about Ikea. <laughs> because I've got an entire song about Ikea. Um, because what happened is I was, I was concerned that not enough people knew that I'm a lesbian. Um, so just to... Just to clear that up, I wrote a song about Ikea, which is a very, uh, it's a very sacred place for mine and Geraldine's people, you know. <laughs> so I wrote a song about Ikea. I was walking around Ikea after a breakup and uh, I realized that there's, uh, all there is in Ikea is, uh, I was looking around, I was feeling very depressed. I was recently broken up and I was moving into a place on my own. And, uh, and I was walking around and I realised that all there was was people like me and then deliriously happy couples <laughs> who were moving in together for the first time and joyously buying furniture for their shared life together. And I thought, what a juxtaposition of life you see in Ikea, eh? If you're looking hard enough. 
So I wrote a song about it, it goes like this. It's Wednesday evening in Ikea There's just two kinds of people here And in my life I have been both The new team's at the starting line Committing to each room design Like it was a permanent oath But that's not me I know these aisles You can spot the ones like me for miles There's no good-natured arguments on taste I have no need to compromise these days There's no one saying we've been here too long No one's ever done that before in this song I get exactly what I want It's Wednesday evening in Ikea And everywhere I look in here And new teams trying to make themselves match But those couples sharing meatball tea Don't notice all the ghosts like me Back here alone and starting from scratch Assembling shared space. Now there's no good natured arguments on taste. You know, I have no need to compromise these days. There's no negotiations to concede. And I get. lovers picking duvet covers I wish them all the best from the bottom of my chest and if they follow the instructions there's no reason their constructions really shouldn't last but who am I to ask because mine all fell apart and I'm right back at the start just hoping I've not lost any fundamental parts and I'm sure that I'll remember how it all fits back together because I know I'm not inadequately skilled it's just that some things take two people to build just two kinds of people here and in my life I have been both thank you thank you very much Beth we'll see you after the break so that was the first half join us for part two which should be in your feed right now Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.